welcome to the Mastering College to Career podcast where we're here to help you land your dream job. So if at any time during this episode you find any value, please make sure you take a screenshot and you share it with a friend. And don't forget, make sure you leave us a review on iTunes. That will mean the world. So without further ado, enjoy this episode. Welcome, welcome back to this episode of the Mastering College to Career podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to have such an amazing guest for you today that you're going to be so pumped that you're going to fall in love with this guy like I have when I started looking at his LinkedIn. I got Mr. Tim Salau, Mr. Future of Work. He is a community builder, his CEO and co-founder of Guide. He is an evangelist at WeWork. I mean, I can go on and this episode would just be about all the things that he does, but I want to get this guy in the show now. Tim, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, dude. I'm so happy to be on, brother. I'm so happy to be on. Tim, man, you got to understand that I am the one that's excited that you're here because I, I started, you know, LinkedIn is my playground. I love LinkedIn. I probably spent 80% of my time on social media on LinkedIn. And if there's anybody that's dominating LinkedIn when it comes to college students, that is you. And so ah. I'm like, I got a superstar in the house. Appreciate you, brother, man. I love LinkedIn. One of my favorite social media platforms. So before we get into all the things that you're doing and all this great advice about the future of work, mm-hmm. let's tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Man, so I am a community builder, CEO of Guide, a social e-learning application for high school students to learn essential life skills from their favorite content creators through short from short form micro content um, that we refer to as snapshots. I am also the global evangelist with WeWork. So evangelizing the future of work with them. And I built recently, um, for the last two years now, I've been building a 7,000 member community called Mentors and Mentees, a guy community actually, which is a community for professionals and students who want to take control of their career to achieve career fulfillment. You know, prior to all of the things I'm doing now, I went to Texas Tech University and that's where I got my psychology degree. And then from there, I went to UT Austin and got my master's degree in information studies. And, you know, I've been working in tech for the last five years of my life now in all types of roles. I consider myself a perpetual technologist <laughs> and community leader. So I've worked with Facebook doing kind of community engagement work when I was at grad school at the University of Texas at Austin. And then I worked with Google um, in an internship doing user experience design work. And then I worked with Microsoft, uh, which was the last company I worked with doing AI product management. So I've had a very eclectic career thus far in my life. Tim, that is like an an amazing, like, can you tell me how, how in the heck were you able to work for such huge companies all by, by the age of 25? Bruh, you know, I have to be honest with you, Daniel, I am an immigrant. You know, my family came into this, to this nation, this state from the great place of Africa in 1999. And we landed in Houston and when I moved here to this country, there was a point uh, in which I experienced a devastating defeat. And this defeat was when I first saw my mom cry. It was, ni- it was not 1999, it was in 2007, because we moved here in 1999. And then around 2007, 2008, I don't know if you recall that recession was going on, 
right? So everybody was displaced. So many people got laid off. It was a really, you know, it was not the best workforce. And my parents got laid off. And I remember one time coming home, seeing my mom on the floor crying because she had just gotten laid off. And I was, I was, I was kind of so surprised because I had never seen her like that, right? But in that moment, understanding what my parents went through in terms of being laid off, but what they did after in terms of adapting, and then, you know, understanding that, okay, now we have to pursue new opportunities. We have to pursue new jobs. We have to understand how America works, right? So after that, my mom and dad, my mom went into being a histologist and my dad went into getting his uh, microbiology degree and then eventually being a pastor that he is now. But, you know, that, that taught me adaptability. It taught me that your mindset is that you always have to be focused on growth and you have to will your wins, right? You can't, you can't just wait for things to happen to you. You have to create them. And, you know, there is going to be days you face challenges. You're going to get the occasional no. But really, if you want to get to the opportunities where you're working with Google, where you're working with Facebook, where you're working with LinkedIn, where you're working with WeWork, and you're leading the future of work, you're championing something you believe in, you have to have a lot of grit. And your mindset has to be, I'm always going to adapt. So that's always been a common thread in my life. And I think my adaptive mindset is what has led me to working with so many great brands and companies, but also because I know what value I bring to the table as well. I love it. So you're Mr. Future of Work. How did that come about? Man, dude, I am incredibly passionate about the future of work. And for those who don't know, the future of work is this very broad term to categorize What's currently going on in the workforce now where there's more people connected than more than ever because of globalization. We have online platforms such as social media, uh, like LinkedIn, Facebook, the Twitters, the Instagrams of the world. They're connecting people at such depth and breadth, right? And then we have this factor of the gig economy, right? Now being people being able to get onto Upwork or get onto LinkedIn and saying, hey, I'm looking for a design project. Does anyone have one for me? Or get onto Upwork and saying, hey, I would be a free, I would love to freelance and work on this contractual opportunity and on this job, right? Or getting on Fiverr and offering your career coaching skills. There's all of these different platforms now that allow you to work just from the comfort of your own home. And then there's tools that really allow you to work from the comfort of your own own home too, right? If you work within a corporate office, right? So tools such as Slack, tools such as Microsoft Teams, tools such as Gmail, right? All of these tools have really lessened the friction when it comes to collaboration and staying connected, right? In terms of in the workplace. So the future of work, essentially, in my opinion, is from the worker's lens, right? As a student, as a worker, it's an opportunity for everyone to take control of their careers and do the type of work that they want to do. Meaningful work that makes you happy no matter where you're located. And for me, I really am excited about it in a sense where I think it levels the playing field for everybody. So I'm often talking about it on LinkedIn, on my Instagram, on my Facebook, because I've built my, my, my entire community around ensuring the people in my community, the members understand the future of work and can also thrive in it. So, you know, the future of work, man, is one of those topics that just has my heart. And I'm always down to talk about it with anybody, man.
So let, let's talk about it. Let's dive deeper into this as it relates to college students, because I think college hasn't changed much in a long time, right? Mm. And, and college was designed for the industrial age. Yeah. What can yeah. students do right now to bulletproof themselves for the future? Man, you know, that's a tough question. And you want to know what I think is best? They have to start thinking in terms of their purpose. And I know this is a little bit abstract. I know there's a, probably a college student listening to, listening to this right now is like, what my purpose? What? What, what do you mean? Like, but no, they have to start looking for it because it doesn't have to come in a day. It doesn't have to come in two weeks. It doesn't have to come in a year, but you, you got to start pursuing it, right? Something I often tell people online and offline is you got to pursue purpose over paychecks. And that doesn't mean that you can't get paid doing what you love, or that doesn't mean that, you know, you don't get paid doing what you love. It means that you have to find what you're passionate about and be meaningful in terms of the work that you're looking to do. You have to be intentional about it because there's too many people in this day and age that go through life just wandering, looking for opportunities, you know, acting very coy and very sly, and they're not intentional about like, okay, what are the things I love doing and what are my strengths? So for a college student right now, highly encourage you, if you want to really thrive in this future of work that is emerging and is happening right now, we're living in it, you have to start being a lot more intentional about your purpose. And you have to start thinking about, okay, you know, out of all of the things I can do in the world, because I could do it, I, then you have an infinite amount of opportunities. Let me start being more selective, though, but not selective based on what people tell me I should do. Selective based on what I'm curious about. Selective based on when I do, maybe when I code or when I speak or when I write a really paper, I get energized. It excites me. What are those activities and what are those opportunities in which that I do that really like motivate me? They give me the most energy because lo and behold, you'll discover that that's what you should probably be pursuing as a career. Now, I'll give you an example. I realized this, that when I was in grad school, I was doing a lot of speaking on campus, working with community leaders in Austin. And I realized that I had a knack for public speaking and communicating. And what I realized in that was the fact that I love communicating. I love being you know, in roles that allow me to be collaborative, communicate with different stakeholders. So I was very intentional about seeking product management opportunities and careers that allowed me to be a program manager or in roles where I had to collaborate and, uh, across multiple stakeholders, right? So understanding that strength about me kind of gave me a guiding course on different career options. So I encourage students to really do that, be more intentional. I love it. And so let's, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the fact that the way the jobs are going to become in the future are going to be different than where they currently are now, right? Yeah. Uh, there's seen a huge transition and you spoke about it a little bit earlier um, about how there's a lot of more of a gig economy and that companies are now out like it's more about hiring you for the task not hiring you for long-term employment how can students prepare themselves to making sure that they can um, find jobs whether it's through Fiverr whether like they can you know whether it's because they love designing or creating websites or coding or whether because they love um, coaching or helping students, like whatever that might be, what can students do right now in college to prefer, prepare themselves on the ta like the actual technical skills that's going to allow them to be employable in the future? Hmm, man, you know what? The most fundamental skills that 
these organizations are looking for aren't necessarily technical skills. They're soft skills. So how do they build? But life skills. But there's still a a technical aspect of how to increase your emotional intelligence. Absolutely. There's still some like there's still some ways of how to communicate better. There's there's things that they can do, whether it's public speaking, whether it's negotiation, whether it's leadership, whatever those soft skills that those companies are looking for now, how do they build that? Like I, I think that is as important as it is to learn how to code in a sense. No, and I absolutely agree with you. And that's why I was going to add to what you were saying by saying that you, it's really a matter of people being more intentional about building those soft slash life skills and consuming the right content, right? And, 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 and figuring out the right opportunities that will allow them to grow in the areas of emotional intelligence, to grow in the areas of public speaking, and even going, you know, on the limb and being more, taking the leap right? Taking the risk to put them in spaces, put themselves in spaces where they feel uncomfortable doing it. Because that's how you really learn the most when you have to speak to a stage or an audience of 50 people. <laughs> uh, and, and you, you know, you, and you know, you're terrified of public speaking, but you'll grow. Like those are your growth moments. So I think for college students, I think college students really have to start in order to develop those fundamental skills that are really sought after by some of the top tech companies in the world or at most companies today, and, and, and to really thrive in the future of work, those fundamental life skills of being able to talk to people, being able to have empathy, being able to have self-awareness, you have to start looking for the right creators and the right content and start putting yourself in the right spaces to grow in those areas, right? So for example, the company that I'm leading, Guide, our team, the entire essence of our app is to help high school students learn essential life skills from their favorite content creators through snapshots, which is 30 seconds or less courses. And because we realized that high school students were really consuming a lot of micro content, we wanted to create an e-learning platform that allowed them to learn those essential life skills that are being, they're not being taught in the classroom from our tool, right? But we wanted to mix it up by getting people who they already have some sort of, you know, resonance with, some sort of an affinity with. So their favorite creators, such as maybe me, right? Because I'm really active in terms of video content, or their favorite creator in sense of Gary V, right? Or Penelope Cruz, whoever it is, would be able to use Guide to kind of talk, educate on life skills like entrepreneurship, cooking, personal development, career development, health and wellness, right? And, you know, I think it's really you as a high school student, a college student, or even an adult, because there's some adults who don't got the life skills. They have to be more intentional about it, man. You just can't expect it to come to you. No one just, emotional intelligence doesn't come to anyone. We have to be proactive about improving it. I love it. I couldn't agree without you anymore. I love what you're doing with Guide. And and I know you're in the beginning stages. I want to learn a little bit more about can you dive deeper into like, where do you see guide in the next couple of years? And why did you start with uh, high school students? Man, <laughs> dude, that's a good question, brother. You know, so we started with high school students because after we really analyzed the market, man, high school students are completely underserved when it comes to life skills education and also access to e-learning content that fosters life skills development right? It's, uh, it's one of those areas in the market segment 
then no one is doing anything for them. Most importantly, there's not really been technology built for the teacher and the student in the classroom and beyond the classroom to enable that type of life skills development. So our entire premise and ethos with Guide is that if we can craft the technology and if we can, you know, create that platform and then take it to these high schools, give it to educators and convince teachers and convince education systems to adopt our technology in the classroom and beyond the classroom, can we drive an improvement in life skills education, life skills efficacy, life skills retention at the high school level? And our belief is that we can through content, right? Because there's so many students right now, high school students, they're consuming things such as TikTok. They're consuming things such as Instagram stories. They're consuming Snapchats, right? Even though a lot of people are off that platform. Micro content is the future. Micro learning is the future. So if we can bite-size the content and if we can get their favorite creators on our platform using it and creating content for them, right? Whether it be their teachers in the classroom or their favorite creator in Gary Vee who talks a lot about entrepreneurship, maybe we can start improving the retention. Maybe we'll start seeing more insights in terms of what they're learning in those areas and how they can progress in their um, careers. So that's why we really wanted to, to target high school students, man, because they're underserved and that's probably where we can have the most greatest scope of impact. Because even at the college level and at the kind of adult and professional level, there is a lot of content out there for adults in their, you know, in their careers or higher, um, higher ed college students, such as LinkedIn Learning or YouTube. But we really, really want to target high school students first because they need it the most, we believe, and we have a, a larger scope of impact. I, I love it. I love it. I, it, yeah. I think it's so interesting. Um, one of the things I, I find very interesting is the concept of having the influencers that, that high school students already love and respect. Yeah. Those crucial skills. Because a lot of that, you know, for, for me, at least for my mastering college to career platform is... I'm not here saying that I've invented a new way for students to get jobs, right? Yeah. A lot of, yeah, yeah. A, a lot of the information that I've gained is from books and from, from, you know, from personal experiences, but a lot of it is the true way of, you know, interviewing, networking, like that works. But when students hear it from me versus hearing it from their parents, they're more receptive to accepting that advice. Like it's, it's crazy. Like I've had a, um, he's a best-selling author on this specific topic. And he reached out to me and said, hey, Daniel, I, I could talk to my daughter until my face turns blue, but she's not going <laughs> to listen to me, right? She's the best-selling author in this topic. Do you mind mentoring her, right? Like, yeah. oh, he's like, she's going to listen to you, even though we believe in the same thing and we talk about the same thing, and, but she's going to listen to you. And so I love the fact that that's what Guy is going to do and, and it's going to get that. Like, I am 100% more likely to listen to Gary Vee and I am, I was going to talk to my uncle, right? Like, right. I get it. So, I get that, it. so that's our premise. So we, we think that, you know, it's, we think that students do want to be responsive and reciprocal to life skills education, but there's never really been a platform that cultivates that experience and really brings the people that they listen to already and they're energized about and that, that can talk about those, those topics in a very rich and energizing way. There's never been a platform that really combines all of that together. And even at another level, encourages teachers to use it in the classroom, right? So within yeah. God, we also have a learning model that we're gonna be giving to our 
teachers so they can apply it inside the classroom and outside of the classroom as well. Love it. Let's talk about that importance of mentorship. Yeah. Why is like me, like, you know, mentorship is important. I know mentorship is important. I think students hear this all the time. Mentorship is important. But what are, what are the biggest reasons why, why you think students at any level, whether it's high school, college, or even professional, should find yourself some mentors? Man, mentorship has been critical for me in my career, man. In high, when I was in grad school and I was working with the University of Texas at Austin and our grad program had a website. And for, I was one of the lead developers, program managers for our school's website. And my boss, his name was Sam. Sam was a fantastic guy. He hired me right out of undergrad because he saw potential in me. And one of the things that Sam always said is that if you really want to find success in your career, all you have to be is good to people. All you have to be is good to people. You have to be good to people. If you're good to people, success will come. And Sam was one of those guys, he was great with people. You know, he actually had been working at the college for years. He didn't really, you know, leave Austin around the time he was going to school at the college. He decided to stay there longer term, eventually got married and had two beautiful young girls. And he had fallen in love with his life. He was thankful for where he was at. He encouraged people to grow in whatever path that they were pursuing. And for him, I think that he was at a point in his life where he always saw the opportunity in people, the greatness in people. So I really adopted that mindset from him. And I think him being one of those foremost mentors in my life has led me to doing a lot of great things because now when I even act as a mentor to other people, and I'm talking with my peers even, I'm always looking for the good in people. I'm always looking for what makes them special. What are their gifts? Not necessarily what brings them back or what their weaknesses are or what can I take from them. I'm looking to try to grow with them. And you know one thing that's surprising, Daniel, is that people don't look at other people for their gifts, for their strengths. They're always looking to demean people, bring them down. So I think mentorship is critical because you always need to have someone that is within your circle that is looking at you for your gifts and is trying to guide the course for you. So let's talk, and I, I agree with you. I think mentorship is so important, and, and I love your mentors and mentees community. Um, <laughs> I actually joined it, I think it's been a month now, and I, I, I've been trying to be pretty active. I'm more active on it on LinkedIn than I am yeah, on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, yeah. But let's talk about that community, because I think that that community is such an amazing platform. I see so many students ask questions, and then when the student asks questions, I see so many responses and so many people willing to help in your community. So I want to talk a little bit about your community, why you started it, right? So uh, tell, tell us more about that community, why you started it, and how have you been able to get so many people to be engaging in it? Because people start communities, but that engagement in that community, I think, is what sets it apart. No, you're absolutely right. The engagement in our community is what really makes it special. Uh, Mentors and Mentees was a platform, a community platform I started about a year and, a, and eight months ago when I was in grad school. And the ethos has been always 
helping professionals and students take control of their career to achieve career fulfillment. And I recognized the need when I was in grad school, I had just gotten an internship with Google. I was doing a lot of stuff in the Austin community in terms of community engagement work and professional development work. And I had students, adults, come up to me asking me, and I'm looking for a mentor. Hey man, can I get some advice here? And some of these students were pursuing medical degrees. They were pursuing degrees in mechanical engineering. And I'm looking at myself like, I have not studied engineering. I'm not pursuing a degree in biology. I'm not trying to be a doctor. I don't think I necessarily have the advice to give these individuals, but you know what? There is something I could do. I can maybe bring some of the people I know together or create a space where people can ask these questions. So instead of creating an app, because people always want to think about creating an app first, I decided to create a group, a Facebook group. And, you know, I really invested a lot in the Facebook group early on in terms of creating the right content, whether it be live streams and even inviting the right people who I knew were passionate about career mentorship. The first hundred people were my friends and family, right, in the group. And from there, man, through rigorous time investment and really pouring into the community, when I, when I would meet people in person, when I was speaking, or when I was you know, hanging out with friends, I would always say, hey, if you need help with anything career related, join mentors and mentees, right? Because it was a resource. So because I always treated it like that and I invested my time in it, because I really do believe in the power of community, it has grown to what it is now, which is a 7,000 member community, but really also people in the community are invested because they see how invested I've been in over time, but it's also been beneficial for so many members. Many of the members in our group have gotten internship opportunities with Google. Facebook, Morgan Stanley, like it's really cultivated success in a large way. And that's the power of community that people don't often realize is that when you're gathering spaces, when you're part of something that's bigger than yourself, it does have a positive effect on you long term, whether it be in your career or your personal life. So, man, like that's really the, been the power, man. I, I've been so happy to see it grow. I love it. I, I enjoy being part of that community and, and giving my two cent or my thoughts on some of the topics and some of the questions the students, actually some of those students in your community, specifically in the LinkedIn, have sent me messages um, personally <laughs> and said, hey, thank you so much. And I think that's what's awesome, right? Like, it's, it's not that I put in the time to add to that community, but I actually get rewarded back. And so- Yes, I no, people will connect with you, especially if you're sharing valuable content within the community, right? So where can if students find this community? How can my audience that are looking for more mentorship be part of it look if you're looking for more career mentorship and you're passionate about it join mentors and mentees a guide community on facebook and on linkedin you can search mentors and mentees on linkedin and you can search mentors and mentees on facebook and it's mentors ampersand mentees mentors ampersand mentees on both the platforms linkedin and facebook perfect hey let's talk about WeWork. You love WeWork, man. I love WeWork, man. Actually, my WeWork. favorite shirt right now is from WeWork. And oh, I, really? Yeah. <laughs> we, have, we have some good swag. We have I, some good swag. That shirt says, do what you love. It's a black. I wish I was wearing I should wear it today. You know what? The only reason I'm not wearing it today is because it's what I wear at night. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I'm telling you, I love that shirt. If I can wear that, my wife is like, can you get another shirt? I'm like, I love this shirt. She's like, you got that for free. I'm like, I love this shirt. Anyways. Let's talk about WeWork and how they're taking over. And what do you do at WeWork? I mean, what is your title? What it, tell us, man. Man, so I am the global evangelist with WeWork. So I, I, you know, I activate WeWork Nation. 
I am a brand ambassador in terms of amplifying WeWork's brand and our vision for the future of work and what we believe in when it comes to creating spaces that bring people together and really nurture belonging and really at an organizational level, educating leaders at some of the top companies in the world on how they can do this from the bottom up, right? From the bottom up and top down, right? From both lens. So that's what I do. I really do a lot of education, public speaking, uh, community activation, community engagement, in which I'm at WeWorks or I'm in communities speaking to what WeWork does and how it really fosters economic progress, right, for the cities that we're in. And recently we just released our global impact report. And, you know, something that people don't realize is how big WeWork is. We actually support 600,000 jobs in the economy, right? Over 600,000 people are affiliated with WeWork, whether it be their members, their vendors, their partners, under kind of that WeWork umbrella, we really foster that. So WeWork Nation, we, the, the we economy is huge and we're creating a lot of impact. So that's a little bit about my role, Matt. So why do you, why do you think WeWork is, what, okay, what is, let me rephrase this question. What is WeWork doing to be the future of work? You know, I think one thing that we're fundamentally doing, one thing that's, I mean, obviously allowed us to scale to this point is the fact that we understand the power of space and we're intentionally using space to facilitate the change that we want to see in the future. And, you know, the way WeWork started was that it was two guys, Adam Newman and Miguel McKelvey. They met and they realized that there's going to be a fundamental trend in the next 10 to 15 years of people moving into cities that are really more dense, of people wanting to work with more flexibility because at that time, social media was getting more paramount, was trending, more enterprise software as a service tools that allow for collaboration and productivity such as a Slack were starting to, you know, it was, it was, it was where we were reaching that point where these tools were coming out, whether it be the Gmails of the world and whatnot. And they, I think they saw the trend ahead of time. So what we work is really kind of made their, 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 the core essence of their business is the fact that we can create these spaces better than anyone else. And we can create them fast, right? Whether it be there in Bogota, Colombia, Hong Kong, or they're in Austin, Texas, or in Orlando, where you're at, we will create these spaces and we will bring people out. And I think that understanding how they can use space as an asset to facilitate community and also offer services and community for people, and then the amazing branding as well. When you put all of those together, they've been able to create this amazing platform for people who want to create. And now I really focused on enterprise customers. So the Fortune 500 companies such as Facebook, you know, Google, the Microsofts of the world, they also now want to put their people into WeWork because they see the potential. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, Tim, so we're running out of time. I have two questions for you. Yeah, what brother. What has to do is, what are some pieces of advice that you have for students that are listening to this podcast that want to work on the tech companies that you did? So you, I know you work for Google, you work for Facebook, you work for WeWork. Um, students that want to work for those organizations, which is a lot of them, yeah. They always want to know a little bit of advice and what's the best way to get their foot inside of those doors. What do you mean? You know, I would love to get your thoughts on this too, my brother. I think it's a matter of being proactive. If you really want to get your foot into the door with some of these top tech companies, you can't wait for them to find you. You have to create opportunities to be found. 
my opinion is 100%. So I, in a previous episode, I got to interview uh, Simon, who is, works for Google in their cloud department. And, mm-hmm. he ta- and he's part, as a side project, he goes back to UCF and he talks and, and tells, tells them about the opportunities that Google has. And he talks about the four things that Google looks for. And I think, it, it, I think you're 100% right. I think you, the, better, the best chance you have to get a job into this really, like I heard the statistic that it's, you're more likely to win the lottery than you are to get a job at Google based on the number of people that apply. (laughs) And actually I heard that from Google themselves. So, um, but it is to put yourself out there and become the ideal candidate, right? And then it's all about building your personal brand because we're all a million dollar brand. And then from that, you're building those connections with people that work in their organization because over 80% of jobs are filled through referrals. Mm. So instead of you being one of a million applicants at Google, be someone that knows a lot of people that work at Google that will give, they will give your resume to the decision maker mm. and that will increase your chances. Mm. That's it. Yeah. They will. So understanding how that referral system works, how do you build those relationships, how you build your social capital is definitely important. And I think that that's where that proactivity comes in too, bro, is that people have to be proactive about doing that. A lot of people are playing it chill right now, whether it be their early stage in their career or even late stages or even in college, you can't play it chill anymore. If you want to thrive in the future of work, you have to start thinking about yourself as an asset from a relationship standpoint, a skills standpoint, a career standpoint. How do you continue to compound? How do you continue to grow? And proactivity and really hone in on that social capital, as you said, is crucial for that, man. I love it. So, Tim, last question. Students listening to this are multitasking. I know that. You know that. What is <laughs> one piece of advice that you wish somebody listening to this can take away or should man. take away? You can do anything you want. You can do anything you want but you have to make a decision. I you love it. Decision. Seriously, you have to make a decision yeah. on what those things are and pursue them with proactive action. That's like one of my favorite quotes I tell students. You can do anything you want. You just can't do everything. So pick. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I, I really think that's the biggest mistake that college students make. Like as a college student, you're super ambitious, especially those overachievers students that I'm sure that those are the ones that reach out to you the most. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a million things going on. They have a million things they want to accomplish. Like, and they could, and they have the potential to do any of those things. But when they try doing all of them all at once is when they get nothing done. Mm. So Tim, we're, 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 this is towards the end of the podcast. How can students connect with you? What is the best way to follow you, connect with you, get to know you a little better, engage with you in your community? Man, if y'all are trying to connect with your boy, Tim, please connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm super active on there and I love connecting with college students and I might be coming to UFC soon too. So if you're listening to this and you're in UFC, I might be in your city very, very soon doing some big, big things. And also connect with me on Instagram as well. Follow me. My Instagram game is very, 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 very strong. And I'm super active on there as well. And if you want to connect and join the Mentors and Mentees community, we are on Facebook. Search Mentors Ampersand Mentees. And we are also on LinkedIn. We are more active on Facebook in terms of having live chats 
and really engaging with the community with all of the rich communication tools Facebook offers. So definitely join us on Facebook if you still have Facebook on your phone, where we would love to welcome you as a member and we would appreciate your support. I love it, guys. I, I encourage you to join that mentor community, mentor mentees community. I'm part of it. I add my two cents. You can see me there. Engaging. <laughs> um, and I like it. Like I'm telling you, I would, I would not talk about it if I didn't like it. If I didn't think it was a good community for you to join, I would have said, hey, Tim, let's not talk about that community. <laughs> you need to work on it. No, but because I enjoy it, because I like it, I, I, you got my seal of approval, my friend. Hey, thank you so much for coming in into this podcast, sharing your knowledge. I can't wait to see what else you do. I can't wait to see Guide all over all high schools in America. Ah, thank you, brother. <laughs> Absolutely. And everybody listening to this podcast, thank you so much for listening and catch you guys on the next episode. If you're listening to me right now, you, my friend, have made it to the end of the podcast. I want to take some time to thank you and congratulate you for being different and taking control of your career. Doing things like listening to this podcast, putting yourself out there and building the experience needed to land your dream job is what's going to set you apart and not be just another statistic. So great job. Keep it up. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with your friends and make sure you subscribe and leave us a review. Talk to you soon.